Tour de France. Air car. Picasso. Welcome to Knickknack News. I'm Anthony. And I'm Alex. And my first story today is sports news. <laughs> this is just, we've had sports news for the past four weeks now. I don't think we can make the joke anymore that we don't that we do it. we never have it because we, yeah, we've been doing it we regularly now. We just keep now. doing it. I don't know. Right. It's a regular, it's a new regular thing. This is from CNET.com. And the headline is, Tour de France protest after spectator crash. Everything you need to know. I'm not going to go over everything you need to know, but I'm going to go over the highlights of this because okay. this was like international news this week. I, I heard don't know about if you the saw. crash. I didn't hear about protests related yeah. to the crash. So, okay. So in a nutshell, it wasn't just one crash. There were actually multiple crashes that happened, oh. like large crashes where bikers got injured during the race this okay. year. Um, yeah. And there was like a mini protest that happened and I will explain that. So if you're listening and you hadn't heard of this, yes, this, there was crashes and injuries the tour de france this year and it was it's big international news um the tour de france is one of the world's biggest and most renowned sporting events and it's the largest like biking race i'm pretty sure i think so but it's also very dangerous as shown by what all went down this year the chaos started on saturday on the tour's very first day when two crashes caused over 21 injuries uh the first of the two incidents has itself become an international news story a camera-keen spectator obliviously holding a sign on the narrow cycling path caused one rider to lose balance and fall, and a chaotic pileup ensued. Um, and one of the cyclists involved in that crash was actually had to just leave the whole race because of they were too injured. I don't remember exactly what happened, but they just couldn't continue on in the race after that. So, wow. Yeah. Um, Tour de France, the Tour de France's deputy director has stated that they plan to sue the woman who caused the crash, <laughs> but apparently she fled the scene and is still at large. So they don't know where she is. <laughs> they don't know who she is. Yeah, I heard that part too. But just wasn't um, she like? Surely it was on camera, right? Like somebody must have captured. She that. was, but she was like wearing glasses. I mean, she's very clearly on camera. Yeah. Did you see the video of no, the slow mo? No. Oh, okay, I'll show you that later. So it's like. Somebody has it on video of exactly what happens. So she's like standing in the thing, and it looks like she's trying to like get a like be in a photo. Maybe somebody was taking a picture from like across the road or something like that. Mm-hmm. So she's like holding up this sign, but she's like standing like in the like in the road. Like she went in the road, and so and she wasn't looking behind because like the bikers were coming up behind her, and she like wasn't looking at them. Like she was looking the other way, yeah. and so she's just holding this sign, and they like just came up too fast, I guess, and like the one hit the sign like hit her and hit the cardboard of her sign or whatever. And that guy just like, he fell over because he like ran into an obstacle. Right. And then like half the bikers were like <laughs> out. It was just, it was, it's crazy. I was like, I can't believe, wow. I just can't believe people are even allowed to be that, that close. close to it. Yeah. Like, why don't they have that seems like wrong. some type of, I don't know, something like yeah, a like barrier some or something. Some kind of physical barrier that they can't get past. Yeah. Or, like you like, would think them further back. I don't know. That's, yeah, yeah, that seems like a big oversight yeah. <laughs> on their part. Anyway, um, so towards the end of the same section of the race, um, there was another crash that uh, 12 bikers suffered injuries. Several of those had head trauma, and one cyclist had four broken ribs and a collapsed lung oh my, from the second crash from oh that day. Um, then during stage three of the race on Monday, there were three other crashes. Um, 
And according to this article, there were dozens of bikers injured in those, some uh, ser- very seriously. For example, Geraint Thomas, interesting, he has an interesting name, who was the winner of the Tour de France 2018, was involved in one of them, and he dislocated his shoulder. So that was just like a big name person of like this big, you know. Yeah, wow. <laughs> um, and Eurosport commentator Rob Hatch called it one of the most chaotic days we have ever seen at the Tour de France. <laughs> like It was kind of crazy. Um, so what happened was that I guess like there was a lot of conversation about how the riders felt that the, 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 um, the route for the race was actually like really unsafe overall. And that was part of the reason why so many crashes happened. Like that one obviously was because of the spectator, but like in general, there were a lot of like unsafe, like turning points, which I guess there usually are some of those, but there's like way more Mm -hmm. in the track now or something. And when I was when I was reading this, I kind of learned that I, I thought it was like the same route every year. Yeah, it, I kind I, of thought it was too. I always thought that, but it sounded sounds like it's not. Like they change up some of the the roads and some of the places that you go. Maybe they need to um, stop doing that. <laughs> yeah, like maybe they should just keep it the same. <laughs> so I don't know how that works. Like maybe they have to do that just to add some extra. Like <laughs> it's a fresh competition if it's a new track every year or something. I don't yeah. not, or a new route. I mean, uh-huh. um, but anyway. They people had actually brought up concerns about like the dangers of certain parts of the route ahead of time, and the people running the race were like, "No, we're going to do this anyway." And then all these crashes happened. So hmm. the protest was that the at the like at some point towards the end, all the bikers just like stopped biking for like a full minute and just kind of like stu- like they just stopped and like stood there as like a protest against like what they feel is like an unsafe like route for this. <laughs> so which I feel like they have reason. I mean, if there's this many like injuries happening that seems a little crazy Mm -hmm. um so yeah so that was the tour de france this year is a little wild (laughs) a little chaotic (laughs) yeah yeah no i'd only heard about that first class i didn't realize there were like 20 Mm -hmm. well not 20 but you know what i mean like five big ones yeah at least yeah that's a lot yeah that's a lot that's a lot my first story is technology news This is from CNN. Flying car completes 35-minute test flight between cities. Whoa. We got a flying car. I have to show you pictures of it, too, because it just looks so silly. Is it, wait, <laughs> is it like the copter? Thing? No. <laughs> it's like, bl- it, oh, okay. it literally just looks like a, like a car with plane wings. It looks so <laughs> funny flying through the air. Okay. Um. Yeah, they said a prototype flying car has completed a test flight between two cities in Slovakia, spending 35 minutes airborne, uh, which is apparently quite long from what I'm understanding. Uh, Klein Vision's Air Car, which is a very to-the-point name, <laughs> uh, flew between, between Nitra and the capital Bratislava on Monday, according to a press release published Wednesday. Uh, the Air Car Prototype 1 is powered by a 160-horsepower BMW engine and comes equipped with a fixed propeller. It transforms from aircraft to road vehicle in less than three minutes. It didn't say which, how long it takes to go the other direction, um, but I have to assume it's comparable. Uh, it, uh, it has now completed more than 40 hours of test flights, according to Vision, including flying at 8,200 feet, and reaching a maximum cruising speed of 118 miles per hour. So faster, That's pretty faster than most roads um, and higher than most cars. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
The company is working on a model called Air Car Prototype 2, which will boast a 300 horsepower engine and is expected to be able to cruise at 186 miles per hour and have a range of 622 miles. So, I guess bigger all right, engine. All that right. kind of makes sense. Um, this article also pointed out uh, that other companies have been working on flying cars. And in August 2020, Japanese company SkyDrive Inc. conducted Japan's first public demonstration of a flying vehicle, the uh, car that took off from Toyota Test Field and circled for around four minutes. Um, hmm. So it's four minutes compared to the 35 minutes of this test flight, which seems pretty impressive. Yeah. But yeah, they said they flew it to this other city and then like transformed it into a car and drove into the city center. Like, Do the is, wings like fold in or something? Yeah, they like kind of fold up and back. Oh, it looks it looks cool as a car. It looks really dumb as a plane. <laughs> but yeah, flying cars—they're finally happening. Do you have a photo? Oh, of course I do. I would love to see the photo. <laughs> so if okay, let's say that like next week flying cars were a thing. How do you think that they would like? How would traffic laws work? Well, that's one of the other things the article pointed out is that oh. they don't know. And there's probably it's probably going to take years before they kind of establish how this would even like work with the current like I mean just within our country like the Federal Aviation yeah uh, what is it's FAA I don't administration and, yeah it's yeah the, the second A um, but, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm almost imagining like you'd have to like follow established roads but then it's yeah, like yeah but then how do you control the different cars that are following those roads and like manage stuff between them and it just sounds like an accident there's just a, a lot. bunch of accidents waiting yeah. to happen there's just a lot that needs to be figured out so this is yeah. a picture of it in the air <laughs> <laughs> does why it, does that look so funny it looks so you're silly. right it looks silly it, it just, does it just looks like a like a car that sprouted wings and a like giant spoiler on the back and just took off into the You know, sky. it reminds me of something from, like, the Jetsons or something. Like, that old TV shit. Like, it has that sort yeah, of look to it. I can it. see that. <laughs> For some reason, it reminds me... I don't know if you've ever seen that GIF or that video of, like, a lawnmower going across a lawn and then just taking off into the sky. <laughs> no, I haven't. It but... just reminds me of that, because it's just like, that doesn't look like it should be up there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just looks, like, out of place. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. But, yeah, those wings kind of, like, fold in and back, and okay. it kind of looks kind of cool on the road. That's but, cool. Yeah, in the air, it looks really silly. But Well, I'm still excited for the new technology. I'm excited anyway, that we're I will finally not be getting a... flying cars. We've been promised flying cars for so long. I know. Long. And, you know, I, I will not be a first adopter. Oh, but like... no. I, I don't know if I'll even ever go in one, yeah. <laughs> if we're being completely honest. Yeah, actually, you know, I I'll probably would get else. really motion sick very quickly yeah. in one of those. Everyone else can go up in those, and then the roads will be uh, will have less traffic. Yeah. And I'll just continue on the That's roads. That's genius. Be... Yeah, there'll be less cars on the on the, the ground roads. The ground roads. The ground roads, yeah, instead of the sky roads. It's a, and the sky, yeah, the ground roads and the sky roads. <laughs> Which are invisible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, my next story is food news. This is from ZMEScience.com. And the headline is, World's first lab-grown meat factory opens up in Israel. Whoa. It's, it's happening. Here. It's happening. Is, we're really in the future. We're Flying cars, fake meat. in the future, meat. everybody. We are in we've the future. We've got it all. <laughs> 
Um, a facility in Israel has made a scalable cell-based meat production a reality with a production equivalent of 5,000 hamburgers per day. The company called New Future Meat Technologies. I don't know. If, have we talked about that before? I, I don't, don't think so. I d- it didn't. wasn't sounds, familiar to me. Sounds but. fake. <laughs> <laughs> you don't trust a product from New Future Meat Technologies? Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds like something from like a video game. Yeah. Like a dystopian video right. game. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. I'm just being honest. Um, so they, uh, they hope to bring their products to supermarket shelves by 2022. And they claim that their cultured meat generates 80% less greenhouse emissions, uses 99% less land, and consumes 96% less water than traditional meat production, which I totally believe. Yeah, all that. that makes complete sense. Um, they will produce cultured chicken, pork, lamb, and beef. Um, wow. without the use of animal serum or genetic modification and claim to be about 20 times faster than the process of traditional agriculture, which obviously, right. um, <laughs> again, yeah. not, not growing an animal probably right. saves you a lot of time and resources. Yes, correct. Um, and then this article went into just like background of why this is needed. Um, with the global population expected to surpass 9 billion by 2050. Oh boy. The UN estimates 70% more food will be needed by then to fulfill the demand of the growing populations. Um, This is a massive challenge due to resource and land limitations. Um, And meanwhile, meat consumption is on the rise, apparently. Hmm. Um, So more efficient ways of protein production are being developed around the world to sustain the growing global population while complying with today's challenges such as environmental and animal welfare issues. And among the solutions, cultured meat is there as a sustainable alternative for consumers not they said for consumers not willing to just cut meat production uh, consumption <laughs> like for people that aren't willing to just give up meat yeah. this is another option which is like yeah i mean it's way better than actually like real meat i mean i don't know how it tastes but yeah i don't mean the taste i mean the like environmental the, impact so oh, yeah, clearly is better 100%, so yeah um and they also noted that there's now um more than 75 companies trying to like start up to make oh, wow. like some type of cultured meat product. Yeah, globally. I could see this really becoming a thing like very quickly and very oh, yeah. soon. Oh yeah. yeah. I agree. Seems like the technology's there, it's just a matter of scale like, like yeah. you kind of alluded to. Right. It's just like like scaling it up and making it like affordable. Affordable and like producible and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I I'm willing to try it. Like I Oh yeah. This is something I will try. Flying yeah. car, no. Fake yeah, meat, fine. sure. I guess it's technically kind of real meat. I don't know. Because it's it's grown from a cell, so. Yeah, it's still, it's it's still cellular tissue, which right. is what meat is. <laughs> it's just grown in a different way. Yeah. Hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, this is probably going to, like, blow up. Oh, yeah. Maybe even by, like, the end of this year, we might even have, like... Mm. Lab grown. We'll have to do a taste stuff. test or something. Yes. We, once we can get access to some of this stuff. We should definitely do a taste test of that. Mm-hmm. 100%. All right. My next story is dinosaur news. This is from CNN. Dinosaurs were already struggling before the asteroid strike that doomed them to extinction. Study finds. Oh. So maybe the asteroid wasn't as responsible for the mass extinction event as we thought it was. It might have already been on the way. Wow. According to this study, and apparently not according to a lot of other studies. So it's hard to say. But 
We're talking about this one right now. Okay. <laughs> um, and we'll get to that. Uh, so whether dinosaurs were thriving or already on the brink of extinction when an asteroid struck 66 million years ago has long been a matter of debate for paleontologists. A new study suggests that dinosaurs were in decline for as many as 10 million years before the city-sized asteroid that hit off the coast of what is now Mexico dealt the final death blow and that this uh, decline impeded their ability to recover from the asteroid's aftermath. So they think basically they were on the decline, asteroid hit, and the asteroid didn't really help with the decline um, and probably made things worse. All right. Um, the researchers looked at a total of 1,600 dinosaur fossils representing 247 dinosaur species to assess species diversity and extinction rates for six dinosaur families. Um, they didn't actually go into a lot of detail about how, like, looking at these fossils, like, how they use that. I guess maybe they were looking at them as compared to, like, the fossil record or something and seeing, oh, actually, these species were on the decline, like, numbers-wise hmm. or something. But um, they didn't hmm. go into a lot of details of their methods. Okay. Um, but the it's author, a little sus. <laughs> yeah, a okay. little sus. <laughs> uh, the author, but they're published, so somebody looked at it at least. Uh, the authors of the study that uh, that was published on Tuesday in the journal Nature Communications said that global climate cooling during the late Cretaceous period, 100 to 66 million years ago, may have contributed to the decline of non-avian dinosaurs. And the article also noted that avian dinosaurs survived the asteroid strike and evolved into the birds that we see today. So. Fun fact there is it was mostly the non-avian dinosaurs that died out. Um, they also said that particularly successful uh, families of dinosaurs like hadrosaurs may have outcompeted other herbivores, leading to a decline in diversity of those dinosaurs. And like a decline in diversity of species is often a precursor to like a mass extinction event because hmm. like without the variety, you're more susceptible to like environmental change or just causing, like something causing a mess mm, causing death yeah. like a decimation of them because you don't have that like i mean it's the same reason for like genetic diversity it's like it gives you a better chance of survival and yeah no, that makes sense and, yeah um anyway so yeah like i said they didn't really give their methods for how they determined that it was more like we looked at these things somehow we know these are our theories for why <laughs> like <laughs> it was cooling down and there was a like lack of herbivore diversity um, so the article also pointed out this new research contradicts other recent studies that use different methods, which again, they didn't say what those methods were, uh, <laughs> that have laid the blame for dinosaur extinction solely on the asteroid and found that there's no strong evidence that dinosaurs were in decline before the asteroid hit. And then in fact, they may have continued to thrive after the asteroid and it may ultimately not have been what caused the mass extinction event in the first place. So it sounds like there's still a lot of debate on this topic. Um, but I just thought it was interesting, like maybe they were already on the way out and the dinosaur and the asteroid is kind of like slamming the door, uh, figurative, figuratively mm -hmm. speaking. But, um, yeah, uh, all we know for sure is that they are gone. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> well, are they really? We don't know the one we don't know. The there could be some in the deep ocean. Yeah. We don't know. We don't know. There's also the Loch Ness monster. I mean, mm -hmm. Unexplained. Unexplained. It also likely fake. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's that's really fascinating. That's an interesting uh, theory there. Um, yeah. Yeah, because hmm. one of the other, like, an author of one of the competing studies said, like, dinosaurs dealt with periods of cooling climate like this all the time throughout their, like, hundreds of millions of years of existence. Oh, okay. So it, like, 
doesn't necessarily mean. So even if like they, were, they were going down, dealing with a hard time or something, that doesn't mm-hmm. mean like they yeah. were actually gonna like decline. Right. They weren't probably they weren't gonna go extinct without the asteroid. I think is kind of what they were getting at there. But yeah. I don't know. It's hard to say. And we're not paleontologists. So. We're not. So or dinosaurologists or <laughs> asteroidologists. Or Cretaceologist. <laughs> I want to be a Cretaceologist. That a cre- sounds fun. A Cretaceologist that yeah. specifically studies the Cretaceous period. Yeah. Yeah. Or a Jurassicologist. 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 Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> specifically studying the Jurassic period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My next story is world news. This is from NPR.org. The headline is, A Greek construction worker has been arrested over the theft of a Picasso masterpiece. Ooh, intrigue. Intrigue. (laughs) Mystery. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so, um, a painting donated to Greece, the country, by Pablo Picasso will go back on display at the newly renovated National Gallery in Athens following its recovery more than nine years after it was stolen um, and the arrest of a 49-year-old construction worker as a suspect. Authorities said on Tuesday that Picasso's woman's head and a work by the Dutch master, uh, I don't know how to pronounce it, P- P- Piet Mondrian. Do you know Mondrian? You heard of that artist? I don't. That's another famous artist. That they're like, oh, and by the way, he stole a Mondrian. Too. Like, that's also a big deal. Okay. Um, but it's not the headline because it's not Picasso. Because it's not Picasso. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he had a Mondrian too that was also recovered. That that painting's called Stammer Mill with Summer House. Okay. I'll show you a picture of these two. I mean, there's a reason they're famous for painting and not naming things. <laughs> um, so. Uh, Oh, yeah. Okay. According to authorities, these paintings were stolen in January of 2012 from the National Gallery. Um, But now they have been recovered. Um, The Picasso work of a female in Cubist style was donated to to Greece in 1949 with a dedication to the Greek people for their resistance against the German-led occupation in World War II. Oh, okay. And the painting has a handwritten dedication from Picasso himself. So it's like really a big deal and very culturally important to wow. the country and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this says the recovered paintings will hopefully go back on display pretty soon at the National Gallery again. Ready to be stolen again. And then, <laughs> and then someone else will steal a note. These, this is the two paintings. Okay. It's very Picasso. It's very yeah. It's very Cubist period. <laughs> yep. Not Picasso, which is not my favorite. <laughs> I like the windmill one. The windmill's nice. It's fine. <laughs> it could have more color in it. Yeah, it's a little drab, if you ask me. <laughs> everybody, <laughs> it's a little drab. Everybody's an art critic. Art critic. So. No, I actually like the Picasso one. It's just like his stuff. It's kind of creepy, you know. A little bit. It's not, it doesn't make me feel joy. It makes me feel like uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. But like, it does make me feel something. And that's what art's supposed to do. It's true. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it, like, you know, because for the reasons I mentioned, it's like a, a big deal to the country of France and it's a cultural, important piece and stuff. So, like, they're glad to have it back. Yeah. I get that. person stole it. So, so yeah. Well, congratulations, Greece. 
My next story is animal news. This is from Mashable. There's a new giant king of the fat bears. You know the fat bears. The, the fat bears, like the fat bears in that we've Alaska? talked about. This, the contest is, is not going on yet. Yeah. So don't worry, you didn't miss it. But these are the same fat bears from the contest, the Fat Bear Week contest. Okay. Um, so, or these are two of them at least. So bears 747 and 856. We know 747. I don't remember yeah. if 856 has a more common name, but they just kept referring to it. Oh, yeah, I don't remember that one. Um, but they're large, dominant bears who feast on salmon in Alaska's Katmai National Park and Preserve. Uh, they're also both internet-famous bears, as they're viewed by people globally on the Explore.org bear cams and are regular competitors in the park's Fat Bear Week contest. Uh, yes. But this article says, there can only be one dominant bear. Uh, for most of the last decade, the hyper-aggressive Bear 856 dominated Katmai's Brooks, uh, Katmai's Brooks River, where the bears spend the summer and fall, intimidating other bears from the best fishing spots. Yet a recent intense encounter suggests Bear 856's long, impressive reign may be over. Uh, new bear cam footage caught the colossal Bear 747, the winner of last year's Fat Bear Week contest, and uh, long the largest, fattest bear on the cams, uh, they 747. Caught, they caught 747 asserting his dominance over Bear 856. Oh. Uh, so beneath the iconic Brooks waterfall, Bear 747 approached Bear 856 and intimidated him, ultimately displacing him from a prime fishing spot in the river. Um, it's possible that Bear 856 is enfeebled in some way, and Bear 747 knows it. <laughs> but we don't know it. Um and they said that both these bears are getting close to like 20 years old, which is pretty old for bears. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and they said it's still possible that Bear A56 will regain his former, former strength and assertiveness as the summer progresses because this has happened before. Apparently in 2017, he got like really thin and was just kind of being very submissive to the other bears. Hmm. Um, but then like eventually bulked up and became hyper aggressive again. Hmm. So it's possible that could happen again. Um, the saga is made especially intriguing by these bears long history together. They've fished together at the Brooks river since the mid aughts, but a 56 has consistently asserted his dominance outside of that one year. So huh. kind of interesting how the tables have turned. Yeah. 747 seems to be stepping up. Interesting. Um, yeah, there's a video. Intrigue. <laughs> Intrigue. <laughs> Mystery. <laughs> there, <laughs> there is a video in the article of like their encounter and oh. how they're just like yelling at each other. Because they don't they don't typically they say the article also said like they don't typically like physically fight each other. Hmm. They just do like exchanges of like yeah, they yell things. at each other and like make themselves big and like go towards each other but not actually fight because they don't want to like injure themselves. Yeah. Um yeah, I think there's video footage of this encounter and, and of uh, 856 kind of giving up the area. I'll have to watch that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's a little scary because they're very loud. Yeah, I can very, imagine. They sound scary. very mean. Like, ooh, I don't know if I would want to see that like in real life. Too scary. From a distance, maybe. From like a very a long distance. distance. <laughs> and up high. Yeah. And Where they a, couldn't get to. And in like a glass box. <laughs> So I that has, see a, out, that has I, a steel uh, cage embedded in it yes. so that so they very, can't be broken. So I'm very safe. Yeah. Yeah. Right. 
All right, it's time for breaking news, the part of the show where Anthony and I look up stories that just happened today or were just posted today, and we read them to you on the fly. Air car. Ready, set, go. go. Okay, so this is from Reuters, um, an update on what's going on with the Tour de France. Uh, first of all, I think I might have misspoke earlier, and the race is not actually done. I think it's still continuing. I don't know how many stages there are, but they're up to like stage five. Okay, settle or, down. That's Tour happening de, Tour de France. now or today or something. I'm not sure. That's <laughs> enough. Nobody, like, nobody likes bikes that much. <laughs> yes, they do. They really, really <laughs> like bikes. Um, but apparently the news is that they found the, the lady that caused the crash. And that person is in custody. She, like, turned herself in at a police station. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm like, I I have very mixed feelings about this. Like, I, I kind of feel bad for her, but I also don't because, like, that was really not a smart thing to do. Like, yeah. And you injured a bunch of people with your bad decision. Right. I, I feel but, bad like, to the extent that you can feel bad for somebody who was, like, definitely at fault in yes, this situation. Yes, like, she was definitely at fault, but I also, like... You know, like the whole world is literally right. like that person. That like, person. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I would not. I would feel like yeah. that. That just must compound the the guilt. The, yeah, like, <laughs> yes, I'm sure she's like doesn't feel good about it. Anyway, um, they found her, so she's not at large anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that's the news, um, and they're continuing. So I don't see anything about somebody's that's one yet so but by the time you're listening to this probably there will be a winner so it'll probably we'll be over or it won't i don't know i have no like, idea how, how long, long does this thing go i Maybe mean i know it's month. really far but I don't know. it's not a month it's definitely not a month but it's like are you sure i knew it was a few days but are I didn't you 100 sure it's i'm not 100 percent sure it's not a month you're right you call anthony just called me out i i don't know that it's not a month long i don't i have no idea how long the tour de france is i'm sorry everyone <laughs> I mean, they got a tour of the all of the all, all of the France. France. So. <laughs> they have to they have to cycle the full length of de France. Do you understand how long that takes? Four weeks. That's how long it takes. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, there's going to be a lot of injuries by the end of this thing. <laughs> oh no. Why would anyone enter this? The risk is just... <laughs> does not sound worth it. It's just too high. It's too much. Okay, I found this on Engadget. United's new Boeing jets will offer Bluetooth audio with its in-flight entertainment, which is what they should have all been doing already. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, yeah, why is it taking this long? I don't know. That out? We've like, had like Bluetooth not, for a while. <laughs> that's not that difficult of a technology to like upgrade the planes with, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so United has announced that it's adding 270 Boeing and, Air, and Airbus planes to its fleet. And some of the best news for frequent flyers is that the, jet, uh, the new jets will feature seatback entertainment screens that come with a Bluetooth connection. Uh, in addition, United will refurbish, refurbish its old mainline jets with the new and upgraded in-flight entertainment. Uh, Bluetooth audio. Oh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I wasn't expecting them to do that. Like, I, that's, yeah. that's actually surprising to right? me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, usually airlines don't exact, aren't exactly known for going above and beyond for the comfort of their customers. Right. Um, Bluetooth audio is a much-requested 
addition to all in-flight entertainment systems, duh. Uh, especially since tech co- companies have been pushing a wireless life cycle onto, or lifestyle. But yeah, I was like, <laughs> not life cycle. <laughs> Um, onto, onto consumers by removing headphone jacks from their phones and launching wireless earbuds. By forcing them to? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I said pushing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, it was like not strong enough. They've yeah, been forced. They've been forced. <laughs> Against our will. They've ripped the wires from our hands <laughs> and said no. Um, <laughs> all, of the, all of the seats will have entertainment screens which is great for passengers, but could also cause a bit of a headache since at full capacity, it may be somewhat difficult to pair your earphones to the correct screen when everybody is trying to do it at the same time. Please tell me that they have an easy numbering system of some kind that you can be like, hope for the screen number 57. Yeah, I just wonder because like, technically to, to pair, you'd also have to like open your own device up to receiving Bluetooth connections. And I don't know if like, People are, there might be like interference or people being jokesters and trying to like connect to your device or. I hope not. Yeah, because it could be kind of weird. Yeah. Um, But uh, anyway, they said they'll they'll fly their first uh, 737 MAX 8 jets with a new interior this summer, while its 737 MAX 10 and Airbus jets will start flying in 2023. Uh, they did not say when they're planning on upgrading the old jets. So they'll never do it. They just want people to think that they will, but <laughs> and they'll suffer no consequence from never yeah. actually doing it. Right. Um, right. <laughs> like I'm not even joking. Probably happen <laughs> because there's an, a monopoly on the airline industry. Yay! <laughs> but anyway, maybe well, someday that's cool. we'll get that's to, cool. maybe someday we'll get to fly on one of these cool new planes that has Bluetooth connections. Yeah. And we'll report, oh, that's a good, we'll that's a good update. Or we won't. That's Again, we, we can also promise that we're going to do that and never actually do it. So. That's also <laughs> true. That's also true. All right. That's our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We post episodes every Friday. And as always, the links to this week's stories will be in the episode description. You can subscribe to Knickknack News on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. And you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash News, on Twitter at at News, and on Instagram at News. All right. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.